Welcome to episode 42 of Roll or Die. Today we have uh, the one of my best friends, Chantelle Thompson. She oh. is the 2019 Sports Person of the Year, 2015 Blue Belt World Champion, 2016 Purple Belt World Champion, 2018 Brown Belt Masters World Champion, and 2016 Oceania Wrestling Champion. So we've had many people with many uh, long lists of uh, credit on this podcast before, but I don't think we've had anyone that's had that many. So Chantel, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you for having me. And it still, it still amazes me to hear my resume read out like that. Um, and it, it's very humbling experience as well to consider that I found jiu-jitsu when I was 19 and was introduced to it because I was getting into trouble. I was better at street fighting than I was at controlling my temper. And then it came back into my life at 26 or 27 when I developed severe postnatal depression after the birth of my twins. So to think that that was the beginning of my martial arts journey and that this is the story I have created so far. And that's the thing. It's so far. Like this is, this is just a chapter within the journey. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm shocked. First of all, because I thought I was your best friend, Kim. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were like amazed about her resume. You're just amazed about so Now I've gotten over that. Okay. Now I've gotten over that. <laughs> One of the things which has just been like, just hearing all of that read out, Chantel. And I got to, actually stay with you in a house and Kim in Vegas while we were preparing for World Masters and all that sort of stuff. I've gotten to see you over the years compete so many times, but I'm like, where did this, this driving passion to compete or whatever it is, I don't know, it's passion to compete. I don't know what it is that has you get the results that you get, but what do you think would you say is the source of why you get the results you get? Is it your athleticism? Is it your heart? Is it something from your childhood? Hey Google, stop. Is it something from your childhood? What is it? I think it's a combination of things. Uh, growing up as a woman, growing up as a young girl who came from a mix of backgrounds, I strongly identify with my Barkindji and Nyimpa heritage, which is my First Nations heritage. And that has always called to me more strongly than my European heritage, which is a mix of five different cultures. Um, and I spent my, I've pretty much spent a majority of my life justifying myself. You're either not enough or you're too much for people. And you're always constantly having to explain yourself. And I learned from a really young age that I had to walk my own path, but I think it's a combination of uh, what we call ancestral mandate as well in that, if you learn to listen to your heart, you learn to connect with country, your, your calling or your path will be, um, will be opened up to you. So for me, I've had to fight from a very young age to, to have my voice heard and to be able to, I guess, find value in, and meaning and place in the world. So for me, that, that drive was just very natural to transfer to, my, to the competition maps. And if anything... When I started competing, I wanted to see if I had what it took to learn to control my my energy and, and channel it and focus it as opposed to it controlling me. Cool. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. And Chantel, that leads in really well. I've, I've talked about your uh, achievements on the mat. Uh, off the mat, 
you have a pretty successful uh, speaking career. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What uh, what's happening there? You know, what tell us a bit about the background of that? You've you've really achieved a lot off the mat as well. Yeah, for me, look, I think my lived experience is far more important to me than than anything else. But my academic and professional career wrap quite nicely around the lived experience, and I think. From a young age, I've always tried to push myself and channel myself. So before I found jiu-jitsu, I wanted to be a teacher because I was told as a 15-year-old, I was more likely to end up pregnant or dead than I was to finish school. Um, my brothers were more likely to end up in, um, perpetrators of domestic violence or in jail than they were to finish school. So I was determined to go, well, you don't get to determine my path. So I wanted to try and work with other young people like myself. So this led me on a journey of um, finishing school, being the first in my family to graduate year 12, the first to go to university. It took me 10 years to finish my teaching degree, but I ended up finishing with a Bachelor of Arts and a Bachelor of Teaching. And then that intersected with my journey into jiu-jitsu. And I had to choose between teaching full-time and, and doing my jiu-jitsu career. So I decided to press pause on that. But where that led me was to working with members of the stolen generation um, as a support worker. And I really started to question what role does trauma play in determining our life path? And I really wanted to understand how did I end up um, having the skills and the capacity to, to manage my trauma enough to create a different narrative to myself versus some of the people that I grew up with who were still defined by their trauma and their early life experiences. And that led me on to studying um, trauma. And I ended up graduating with a graduate certificate of Indigenous trauma and recovery. And for me, through these different experiences, I've realised that the story that we create about our experiences is what often determines the life that we end up living. And I realised that in order to break the cycle of intergenerational trauma, low aspirations, stereotypes, and allowing circumstances to define me, I had to first do that for myself before I could teach others how to do that. So I made this determination when I decided to, that I wanted to try and become a world champion. Everyone around me was like, how is someone like you going to do that? You're 27, you've got three kids, you've never been overseas, you've got no money. And I thought, fuck it, like, I want to be the person to try it. So I made the decision, my partner and I, George, made the decision because we were both training. So he's been a very significant part in this journey being able to happen at all. Um, he was a stay-at-home carer for our kids when I became sick with postnatal depression. And he would train during the day and I would train at night and we would manage our family between us. And that's what has been a strong foundation for me being able to even do this journey and, and take that on because we never competed with each other, but being able to create a story worth sharing was really important to me. And it wasn't necessarily about the achievements, but it was more about the journey and the skills that I would learn and who I would become. And then when I would sit with other people, particularly young people, women and girls or people from minority backgrounds, and I can say, you can do and be anything you want. I would be able to say that from a place of experience because I'd first done that myself. Mm. Can I ask, you've got a lot going on in your head, you know what I mean? In the sense that you're up to stuff all the time. I, I, I really do get the feeling it's never going to be enough. You know, it'll be a hundred world titles and, it'll be, and you'll still be out to show people what's possible, which is so admirable, right? It's, it's huge. And it's like a real, it's, it's, Sometimes exhausting. To, sometimes we get exhausted watching me, 
I get exhausted watching you, right? So, so, you know, I really wonder what do you do when there's so much going on in order to find peace, to find um, connection? I know you're quite a spiritual person, but to people who maybe aren't as spiritual, or is that the only way you found through your spirituality or, or your understanding of your culture and everything else? How do you get back to nothing? How do you, how do you get silence? It's a combination of things because my culture and, and growing older has played a, a very big part in this journey because before being busy was a way of finding peace because it was a way of clearing and getting away from the noise and the trauma that would often sit with me and people, but people don't understand for me going to compete and chase world titles is easy compared to raising a child and trying not to inflict your trauma on them so and kim you would know this Antoine, you're a parent compared to raising my daughter who is literally a mini version of me and is capable of triggering the most deepest darkest emotions within me and i'm a very i'm capable of very violent and deep emotions and people often don't understand that i am i'm honest and i'm capable i didn't start martial arts to learn how to fight or to learn how to defend myself. I started this journey because I needed to learn self-control. Mm. I already knew how to fight, but by learning martial arts, I learned discipline and respect and, and connection. I'm not the most consistent person. Anyone that knows me knows that I get distracted um, quite easily. I think we're frozen. We're still oh, yeah. I've got you. I'm still. See, so you're getting distracted now. Yeah. <laughs> So I think people that know me, know me well and that um, I, like when I started, when we moved to Melbourne, I was there to become a world champion in, in jiu-jitsu. I started training to become an MMA fighter. When that was taken off the table, I decided to train for the Olympics. And it was actually in the year that um, I didn't qualify to go to the Rio Olympics that I was like, stuff it, I'll go, I'll go to the world championships. And I'd only trained for six weeks before. And I had this attitude of going, it's more important the fact that I'm trying than the result. And I ended up winning my, my first world title. And, um, but it's a combination of that in the past was how I found peace. Jiu-jitsu was how I found peace. But when jiu-jitsu became more than managing my mental health, I had to find other ways. And it's been learning to connect with my culture on a deeper level has taught me how to be still. There's a concept called Dididi, which is, um, an Aboriginal word from a Northern Territory tribe, and it was Annie Rose Umenberg, who is credited with this, calls it Aboriginal Australia's gift to the world. And it's, called, and it's about deep connection to self, to country, to others and to place. Yeah. And learning more about this concept of learning to surrender to the journey has been a big part of finding peace with, within who I am, but also not seeking permission to go, actually, I don't care if you're intimidated or you think that I'm doing too much this is who I am. So self-acceptance has been a big part of that, but also going, okay, be more intentional with my time and do doing more with, with less rather than trying to be and do everything for everyone. And that's a part of growing older as well. But where I find peace is going home to country, sitting by the river and sitting with my feet in the sand and when I can't do that, it's about doing um, a smoking ceremony at home, whether it's using a smudge stick 
and it's journal writing, it's reflecting, it's finding ways that suit me to find peace. But jujitsu is often that as well, especially when I go with the intent to be more playful as opposed to preparing for competition. And my style of jujitsu, I have a heavy pressure style. I love to squash people. So when I find people that I can... <laughs> oh, yeah, we know that. <laughs> when I can find people who, who have that old school style of jujitsu where we can go head to head, anything is, is, is allowed, but it's within respect of each other. It's not with the intention to injure someone. It's with the intent to go, let's see who was the most dominant person in this game. Those are my favourite roles. Awesome. Wow. Thank you. No, that's, that's great. Um, and talking about that decision to go to Worlds six weeks or so before, it's kind of... Um, you don't mind me saying, almost ironic that you've done so well in the gi, given that for a long, long time, you were not a fan of the gi, would you admit? Like you spent a lot more time in no gi prepping for that style. And then as it's turned out, you've won three world titles in a gi. I think there's something to that psychology of it though, because I told myself I was better at, at no gi. And I found that when I become overly attached to something and the result of something, I psychologically fuck it up for myself. I, I psych myself out. Whereas with the gi, I was like, I have no control over the outcome. I don't even like this shit. Like I'm here. I'm here because one, I've got the opportunity to, my partner got hurt beforehand and he was the one to encourage me. And my coach was encouraging me and I had teammates who were sacrificing their time to help me prepare. But just before I was about to compete at that first world championships, I started to get all the noise in my head, the ego, everything that comes with being at that level of competition. And I'd actually brought over some sand with me from, from my country. I'd gone to the river and done a bit of a ceremony and I took it into the bathroom and I sprinkled it on the floor of the toilet because I'd, I'd never done anything like this before. And it was, it felt really strange, but I felt compelled to do it. And when I stood on that sand, it was about connecting with time and space of going, it doesn't matter the outcome. What matters is my intention going into this and the energy I go into it with. Because my family, my children have sacrificed so much to allow me to be in this space, the coaching, my teammates who have supported me. But Technically, I'm stepping onto that mat alone. So what is more important is the ability to show up and go, regardless of the outcome, don't beat myself. And that meant letting go of ego, letting go of outcome and going, let's just see what happens and show up. And George actually messaged me. He'd gone and studied all of my opponents and he gave me a game plan for each one. And I was like, I've got people who have got my back. I don't need to control everything. But my family is still going to love me whether I win this or not, but what was more important was my own self-respect. So what, how I've taken that into life is that when I become overly attached to a, to a result, is it more because of ego or because of other people's expectations? Whereas when I show up and do the work that's needed and I trust the fact and I go, okay, outcome is just feedback. Whereas the process and the effort is more important. I find that's when I get my best results. Absolutely. I think you said earlier, um, Something along the lines of one of the ways that you've gotten the results you've gotten is just by going out there and trying so many things, putting yourself out there so many times. And I think that is just the key. That's where the juice of life is, being willing to go out there, put yourself at issue. And the result, as you say, is feedback. That's just like you're like a messenger of your life for your life. If I'm, trying to, I'm trying to articulate this in a way that I get it for myself, but it sounds like 
the result doesn't matter because you're trying to get a message out there. Put yourself out there. Give it a go. See how the results go. If you don't win, take that. Go back to the lab and go again. Try something else. Try differently and see what see what happens and just keep going. My life is an open book. I'm living my life out loud and it's very much my, my purpose in doing life the way I do is not... I actually don't compete. I used to compete for other people, but now it's it, like I'm a brown belt. Um, Pre-COVID, I would have been on track to get my black belt this year, but that will be put off for a little bit longer now because I've, I've got another pause spot in there. Um, and I'm actually glad things have played out like this because I've always been in a rush that that ego little bit of going, oh, I, I was one of those people to get my black belt within the 10-year time frame. Mm-hmm. It actually doesn't matter because... For me, I've tried so many different things. I now have the curiosity to go, what would my jiu-jitsu look like? What would my mastery of my game look like if I focused just on the one thing and, and bringing together all of the different things? But when I share my story, it's about creating a blueprint and an evidence base for people that it is possible to overcome um, adversity or whatever life puts in front of you but it's our personal responsibility to do something about it and when I speak to kids or I share my resume with people at speaking gigs Kim you say like I've created a business around speaking and that's because I'm a self-funded athlete I'm also the the main income earner for our family so I had to find a way to manage that but by sharing the stories I have to have something to share. And it's in the storytelling that I start to find the meaning and the wisdom and the lessons from the experiences that I've had. And when I say to people, I don't share this with you to impress you because I never started any of this to impress people. Every single thing I've done along the way has been a form of necessity to create a new chapter for myself. And it's rather to express to people the potential of what is possible. And when you have that idea of possibility and you see someone else, then it's about switching, switching the reflection back to themselves and going, that might be possible for me, particularly as, and Kim, this is, this is your story as well. Like you were an older female, you're a mum of three kids when you started. That's given me permission to go, I'm only 37. I have time. Like I can have, I can have a more well-rounded life, but my intention is to create a solid foundation where jujitsu is complemented and weaving in with my life rather than becoming this thing that has to compete with other priorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And for anyone that might have missed it, like we were chatting a little bit about it at the start of this podcast, but um, so what is it exactly that's put your life on pause for, uh, or your jiu-jitsu on pause, I should say, just uh, for the four or five listeners out there that are listening to us, say. That's right, that's right. Yeah, we've got a big list of us. I already have three children. Um, I have a almost 14 year old daughter and I have 11 year old twins, but I've always wanted to, I've always wanted a big family. I come from a big family and just culturally um, we, we just have a, been a big part of the um, family life. But because when I found jujitsu, it was like, Oh no, I've, I don't have a time for another baby. I can't fit that in anywhere. And then COVID came along and everything flipped. So I decided, well, jiu-jitsu is off the table. And George and I sat down and spoke about it. We decided to put another baby into the mix. So I'm currently um, almost five months pregnant and I'm due in April. And it's absolutely been a blessing in my life because we have a belief that with every child, a new version of the mother is born because you're never the same person after that experience. It's been 12 years since I was pregnant 
Um, my body is reacting completely differently this time around, but it's allowing me, it's forcing me to slow down. Like this baby's got me eating shit. I would never touch like white bread, salt. I'm off. So, but it's almost given me permission to go, go deep on things. Whereas I've never had that attitude before I'd show up to class. I wouldn't be intentional about things. So where I've gotten to, particularly in my jujitsu has almost been just by showing up to the process. There's never been an intention. Like I'm terrible at guard. Um, avoided it like crazy that's why i went and did wrestling like have a great top game a great pressure game but i sucked on the bottom so when i got put there in competition i had nothing to fight back with and i was just starting to face that going okay well if you want to be a black belt it's about having a holistic game that is built around your style and i think having this baby has really forced me to slow down and going okay when i come back what does what does that comeback look like before I even get back to the idea of being a black belt or my ultimate dream now of being a black belt world champion? Actually, one of the things that's coming up for me right now is in my businesses lately, what I've been rolling out, I used to think do more with less. Okay. Nowadays I've come up to, and I got it for a book, a Mike McCullough's book. Um, but he talks about doing less with less. And I really think I'm hearing that for myself in, what's possible for you next in your jiu-jitsu and for me i'm not sure what kim's going back with intent my first class back is tonight actually i'm really excited about that side note but um doing less with less so not about uh, like, like actually taking things out of my game or out of my life that were actually there before and not with the intention of replacing them with something else like creating space you know which i think jiu-jitsu is about is creating space as well Right, so this is what I'm going to explore at the moment. What, what do you, when I say things like that, what comes up for you? Well, it depends on which game you play because if you play a top game, the idea is to close space, whereas sure. when you play a bottom game, the idea is to create space. So for me, it's about being more strategic because I have um, a complex life. I have, I have my culture. I do cultural responsibilities. And as I grow older, those the, the, the journey towards becoming one day being an elder in our community is there. I'll have another baby in the mix. I have a business to, to develop. There's things I want to learn. So it's about going, what are the main priorities in each of those so that they complement each other and weave together rather than um, rubbing each other the wrong way. And now being based regionally, I'm going to be based in country Victoria. There's, there's almost this new sense of um, this is my new arena. How do I create a successful business that allows me the income like a CEO or a corporate level, C-suite level income being based regionally. That also allows me to run grassroots level community programs in school. So I've, from my jujitsu journey, I've come up with this program called the warrior within, and it's about being leading and serving from the heart, living courageously and daring greatly. And what it is, is it's a combination of my martial arts journey, my cultural experience, my being trauma informed and, bringing all of that, those experiences together to empower people to find their warrior within, but then being able to have the skill sets to go to manage the shit that happens in their life, but to go after the things and the person that they want to be. Now, the, obviously these sorts of programs can't pay for themselves. So I've got to be really clever with how I do that, but I also want to be able to still do my jujitsu, my culture and my family. So for me, it's about stepping back from everything and going, 
right, when I'm training, what's the absolute core essential stuff? What's the foundational stuff that I have to know to be able to even play in this game? But then what's Chantel's chapter in this? Like what is Chantel's um, version of this? But now I'm starting to understand you can't become a master in something until you have a solid understanding and capacity to enact the, the foundations. And that's something that I didn't really concentrate on before. So now for me, it's about going what... So probably my first year back will be working on my guard for just at a technical level and rebuilding my body from the inside out in a way that I never have before. Because if people have trained with me or seen me compete, I'm known for my pressure and I'm known for my strength. And But now the question is, is going, if my body functions at a high level in a way it's supposed to, what does that look like when I don't have to use my strength, but it's there to access? Nice. So these are the types of questions that are driving the next chapter of my life. So cool. Thank you. I think going on from that to what you were saying, Anton, I know for me, like the, the pandemic and, and the lockdown, it sort of took away the options that you had. Like, you know, I couldn't go to training. I couldn't rush around like a mad person like I used to. And now it's kind of a weird time for me at the moment because things are opening back up here in Melbourne. So I do have the option. Like I can go and train jiu-jitsu five nights a week, but to be honest, because of the way things have been, I don't really want to anymore. Like mm. I've had more time with my family in the last eight months than I have in the last eight years. So I want to do a bit more of that, but then oh, jiu-jitsu is there. Like, so like yesterday, for example, I did the, the beginner class and the advanced class. I did two and a half hours of jiu-jitsu and I did kettlebells. And today I'm like, oh, my shoulders, they're screaming. So I'm thinking, you idiot, like, why don't I like pull back a bit like I said I would when everything was, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to sit on the couch and do nothing. But it's very hard to do that when you've got the option to do it. Like, oh, there's all these classes. Let's do all the classes. So, there's tiny things everywhere. Yeah. That's only tough for you. The normal population choose to sit on their ass. Like that's we right. You're a part of, people look at me and I'm like, no, 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 you need, to, I've got a friend who is, is a, operates at an even higher level than I do. I've got half an hour. I can do some kettlebells. Let's go. Let's do it. And then well, this morning I was like, why did I do the kettlebells? I should have known. My body's not ready for this. So yes, I would say next year when you do come back, ease yourself into it. Don't be hard on yourself like I'm being. Just take your time. I have no choice though. I think that's, that's actually the really nice thing is that I'll be based regionally. So it's not like I have the option of going to extremely high level classes anyway. And actually I've had to face the reality. So my daughter, who's uh, 14, um, she, all my kids train jujitsu and my two girls have become quite full bodied over, over the last 12 months. And my, my eldest girl is, almost 70 something kilos. And I went to, we went to, we were playing arm drag sort of stuff the other day and I went to rip my arm away and I actually had to put effort and, and, and skill behind it. And I was like, and then this thought came into me and that, and this is the thing about self-awareness and the practice of jujitsu and being a, a, a martial arts black belt versus being a sports jujitsu black belt. And it's about that humility to go, it's a very real possibility that my child is going to tap me out during my first lots of training sessions, or I'm not even going to be able to train with her because I'm not going to have the strength, like the core strength and my body's not going to be conditioned enough to, to take on that type of training. So 
For me, I'm really grateful that I've got a partner in, in George, who's also a brown belt, who gives me the space to, to vent, but will gently guide me in that and put boundaries in place and going, hold on, the first three months, maybe do two training sessions of jujitsu. We'll do a technique session at home and then maybe some yoga or something to slowly integrate yourself into it. So I think that's going to be, it's going to be a whole new journey. Like it's almost going to be like I'm starting my jujitsu journey again, which is, which is scary, but at the same time, I'm actually excited because I think it gives me an opportunity to approach my journey in a way, both on and off the mats, in a way I never have before. Yeah. You- well, I know when, when I got my black belt, that Tiago said, this is like, take the white belt mindset. So I think that's the exact thing to do, you know, take that attitude of like starting all over again. And I know after, you know, these lockdowns, I very much feel like that. So I very much feel like a white belt and that's, that's definitely the way to go moving forward at any time but especially yeah if you've had a big a big experience and yeah it's a beautiful thing what you what you're going through with with your baby how have you been through the pregnancy how's it been treating you apart from the food cravings um look i've my my body my body image and my weight has been a real struggle to accept particularly as i have young young girls um and i do a lot of work with young females i'm used to being 78 or 80 kilos of competing um but during my during the 12 months before covid happened i'd really begun to struggle with my weight and i wasn't sure whether it was emotional or stress because i had a lot of life things going on and i kept trying to ignore it i kept trying to make things the way i wanted them rather than working with things as they were and i was focusing more on my ego and the reality that i wanted as opposed to what life was handing me And that became really dangerous because it started to impact my mental health again. And I was, I was going against everything that I'd learnt through, through the last um, seven years. And so when I did fall pregnant, I was already sitting at a hundred kilos and now my weight is at 115 kilos. Like I'm wearing size 20 clothes. I've never been this big. So it's been a journey of self-love and self-acceptance, but I overdid it on the weekend and I ended up hurting my back and it's like, okay, you've got to work within yourself and work within your capacity and, and know the limits of going, I can push a little bit here, but I have to learn, I have to know my tap out range here. And I think that that's only going to serve me. Like I've been a lot more tired. Um, the weight gain has been a, a bit gain of problem and pelvic floor has been a really uncomfortable issue as well. Like it was prior to, I mean, I gave natural birth to my twins and my daughter, but then seven years of elite level training will have its impact as well. But I think like anything, this is in time, this will be a journey that I can share with, with other women. And I think something that's really exciting me and kind of keeping me focused is going if I can become a black belt world champion in my forties and do that while being based regionally and building a business that is commercially smart, commercially successful, but is also funding um, youth and and girls programs regionally, like that's going to be a really exciting thing to be able to share with people. And it's, and it's inspiring and it's empowering to other people who get told you're too old or it's too late or you shouldn't be doing this, or you, or you can't have your cake and eat it. Like, what dumbass came up with that saying? Why would you go and bake a cake if you're not intending to eat it? Like, seriously. <laughs> so for me, it, it's been a, it's been a journey again into self love and and self acceptance. And I've struggled, but I've been 
really grateful to have my kids' support and, and my partner's support to go, Shan, it's, it, just take it one day at a time. Yeah. What, what about, actually, on the cake thing, I always thought the same thing. And then I realised the other day, I think what it is is you can't have your cake and look at it, like have it all there as a nice cake and eat it as well. And I only got that about a month ago. So I think that's what the saying means. But anyway, that's a side note. When, when I'm out in the backyard playing with Maka right now, he's switched from jiu-jitsu to basketball. Jiu-jitsu has had a massive impact on his future sporting. Like, he is a gun. And he's a gun in a way that is just different to every other kid. I solely um, attribute that to jiu-jitsu. The thing is, he's better than me now at everything except for jiu-jitsu. Like, everything. <laughs> except for maybe running a business. He's 15. So... For me, it's been confronting, but also amazing. And I feel like where I'm at is he's an extension of me now anyway. So I'm proud that he's better than me at things. But at times, it's very challenging. With your, with your children growing up and, as you say, right on the verge of, being, of having your number, how are you going to be about that? What, what do you think is going to come up for you around that? I think this is the difference between the different perspectives of Western culture versus my Aboriginal culture. Western culture is very much about ego. It's very much about the individual and it's, we don't value growing old. We don't value the privilege that it is to live out a life until uh, a very old age. I mean, look at how we put people in old age homes or it's, they no longer have a use or a value. Mm. Whereas in, in first nations culture, it's very much about the collectivist view and I think for me, obviously, the ego is going to be there. There's going to be a little bit of competition. But it's how I approach that. Like, I think that if my children are beating me, it's going to be an incentive to, um, to, want to, to want to do better, but also train smarter. Because obviously, I'm going to do damage to myself if I train through ego. And I think it really helped me to... I've already, I've already had an experience like this with young Cooper Burnham. Because when Cooper started training jiu-jitsu, George and I were his idols, like he, 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 we were at his competitions. We were the people who were encouraging him alongside his parents and, and Tiago. But now he's, he's an absolute gun. He moved to Melbourne at 16 and, and it was absolutely stupid of me to try and compete with an 18 year old testosterone fueled um, kid, but I would. But I think every time I got a little bit better yeah. was, was an achievement for me. And I started to go away from this. And it helped me in life, like particularly things like business can be quite difficult as a woman, um, as a woman from a martial arts thing, people like to label you. And I was able to stand my ground in a way I wouldn't have been without those experiences. And I said, hold on, I train with 18 year old young, young guys. I train with my partner who's, who's a hundred plus kilos and he's better than me technically. He's faster than me. He's more graceful than I am. Then you train with someone like Vinny and April and, and, and Kim and everything else. So you learn to keep humility, but there's a difference between being competitive and being arrogantly stupid about it. So I think for me, it's just another form of growth. And if I don't approach it in the right way, it could damage my relationship with my children. So I think it's more of a reflection of myself then it is about the situation. And it's an opportunity to go, if I'm really doing this for the love of it and to, to master my game, then I'm using those as opportunities to learn and get better as opposed to going, it's about who wins in the moment. Awesome. 
think we're just about running out of time. We're going to need to uh, wind it up. We've only got the free version of the Zoom, so we always just keep it nice and short and sweet. I feel like we've only scratched the surface. We could probably have you on again. So I don't know how uh, what next year will bring for you and uh, how you'll be travelling, but we would love to have you back on uh, in the new year if uh, if you're up for it. And um, be interesting to have this conversation again at this time next year because because yeah. Bobby will be about seven or eight months old. I would have been back into my training and I've made a commitment to myself that I won't be competing next year. So next yeah. year is about finding my love for jiu-jitsu again. Um, it's about building capacity through my business to financially support the jiu-jitsu so that it's not detrimental to our financial well-being. And my intention and hope is that I'm in a position where I can come to Melbourne um, once every three to four weeks and, and train for a long weekend. And for me, that's a dream worth fighting for. So um, it shows other people that things are, are worth it and they can happen. But I think these stories are so important to share because they offer people different perspectives. So thank you for the opportunity to come on. Uh, thank you. And we hope we are still going next year in uh, 12 months time. So yeah, we'll definitely sure have you on. Sure. I'll speak to you then. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.